Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 330 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the blindfolded tennis lesson. And we didn't actually literally put a blindfold on this student, but I have a crazy experience to share with you a story about a a teaching experiment, an instructional experiment that I made with a with a recent VIP student. And so let's just go ahead and, and dive into it. We were working on volley technique with a recent private student of ours. He was doing a VIP coaching experience with us here in Milwaukee, which means Kevin and Megan and myself, the, the three full-time coaches here at Essential Tennis, we work with a, a single student in a private setting for two days in a row. It's five hours or six hours per day. It's like 10, 12 hours of time on the court. And we go super in-depth on each of the main strokes that are most important to them and do a complete analysis and breakdown of their technique and then lead them step by step by step by, by step to the new and improved, much you know better way of moving their body, moving their racket with, with much more efficiency and and expertise than than where they started. So we were working on volleys with with this student. And as with so many students, this person's volley technique was very abrupt, very tight, very tense. He was stepping and punching the ball <laughs> as is as is prescribed by so many tennis coaches. It's got to be at the top of the list of pet peeves for me as far as advice that's given and instruction that's given for for tennis technique. And and so he was a, a perfect example of kind of the product of that framework or that mentality of hitting volleys. When the ball was high and he was close to the net, he hit great shots that would probably be put aways. But when the ball was in, in a neutral position around net heights or below that in a more of a defensive position where he was making contact around his knees, he had no ability to respond to those shots whatsoever. And so he had... V- basically no control, no feel, no touch. And he was very, very limited as to what type of situations he could respond to in an effective way when he was up at the net. So with those types of students, with those types of habits, we, for a while now, we've, we like to begin by showing the student how to actually feel different tensions of grip. For me, so much of great volleys and great net play revolves around being able to loosen or tighten the pressure of your hand around the, the grip of your tennis racket to, to create completely different responses. Because when a volley is high and slow, when a ball is coming towards you high and slow at the net, then you want to add energy and, and transfer speed through the point of contact. And that's where a firmer grip is is really nice and, and required to hit a effective put-away shot. When the ball is really low and you're close to the net, then softness is critical because if you hit the ball really firmly and straight, then you'll just end up hitting the ball directly into the net. If you hit really firmly and you open your racket face to avoid the net, then you'll just end up popping the ball up to your opponent or just hitting it too far. And so absorbing energy in that situation is critical. And that's a skill that very, very few tennis players have at an amateur recreational level. So in an effort to 
try to get students to absorb and feel what it's like to actually relax at the point of contact instead of tighten and squeeze and and clench the racket. We a lot of times will bring a student right up to the net cord, stand right next to the net, and kind of set themselves up like they're preparing to hit a forehand volley, which is what we did with this student. And then I asked Kevin to just kind of toss from directly on the other side of the net, just toss balls right into the middle of this student's racket face. So Kevin and this student are standing just a couple of feet away. And I was asking the student to just stand there, just hold the racket right over the top of the net cord and just just hold it there, just leave it there. And the student's goal was to relax his grip as much as possible so that when Kevin's ball came and hit the middle of his strings, the racket would just gently and smoothly recoil and actually move away from the point of contact instead of moving through the point of contact, which is what most players train into their brains over and over and over and over again with the the easy volley feeds during lessons and drills where they're told to step across and, and punch their volleys. So this player, like so many, just couldn't do it. Like he felt like he was relaxing, but in reality he wasn't because when the ball hit his racket face, there was resistance and there was, you could, you could visibly see the tension in his hand because the racket was not allowed to move back away from the point of contact. So ball after ball, Kevin would, would toss a ball right into the middle of our student's racket and the, the racket would move back a little bit, but it was jerky and kind of choppy and, I know from experience that if a racket is just really passively just held there with a really loose, relaxed grip, there's kind of a certain smoothness and flow to how the racket moves back from contact and then gently travels back forwards again to where it started. But this student had a lot of residual tension. And no matter how many times I said, okay, but now relax, he just wasn't getting it. And he was stuck at this very simple <laughs> point where you would think listening that, oh, uh, okay, no, this is totally easy. Like picturing what I've described with Kevin and the student standing right next to each other. And Kevin, Kevin's doing all the work. He's just tossing the ball right into the racket. The player doesn't have to line the racket up at all. He's just standing there holding the racket. And his only goal is just to relax the hand. Sounds easy. But if you've hit 100,000 volleys with a, a punch framework and mentality and feel and amount of tension, then you can't just snap your fingers and do something else, just on command. So I, I kind of stopped everything. I was like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. And then I don't, know, I don't know where this idea came from, but just very, very organically, the thought came to me, what if I have this person just close his eyes? So I did not have the student's position change. I did not have Kevin's position change. Kevin continued to toss the ball exactly the same way he did. And I, I said to our student, I was like, you know what? Just just trust me for a second here. I want you to keep doing exactly what you've been doing. But now on the next ball that Kevin tosses, close your eyes. Just Just close your eyes. And so you're not going to know when the ball is going to come, but your only focus is to just relax your hand. And that's it. Nothing else. And so a student was, was a trooper, went right along with it, closed his eyes, Kevin tossed the ball, and the racket moved back four times further, even though the speed of the ball was exactly the same, the student finally was able to just relax and focus on that 
because he was no longer fixated on, oh, here comes here comes the ball, and it's it's almost to the strings. You know, seeing Kevin kind of load up and wind up and deliver the ball right towards the racket, there was no more anticipating the collision between the ball and the racket. And so he was able to focus completely on just relaxing his hand, and the racket actually naturally recoiled exactly the way it was supposed to. And it was, I believe, the first time in this person's tennis career that he felt what it was like to actually be soft. Out of however many tens of thousands, I mean, this was not you know a bad player. This person been playing for a long time, and for the first time ever, I I believe felt what it was like to see actually not see sorry to feel the ball hit the racket and have the racket just smoothly recoil back away from the point of contact and just rebound naturally and smoothly. And so we went through all kinds of different progressions then, kind of trading back and forth between eyes open and eyes closed. And the eyes closed uh, repetitions were always the best and the smoothest. But once he got a few uh, repetitions of feeling what it was like, he was able to actually do it again with his eyes open. It wasn't necessarily always as good, but now now he got it. Once he felt it, then he could uh, replicate it. And this just highlights to me a critical learning principle, and that is that there are all kinds of def- different sensory input, and all those different types of sensory input pull us into our subconscious habits. The way that that student had hit his volleys for years and years and years and years, it's a it's a basically a computer program that gets written deep into our brains. And when the ball is picked up by the eyes and you see that it's coming and you're up at the net and you're in a volley position, then the volley program is going to get run unless the student has a very high level of awareness and control and kinesthetic kind of feel of what he or she is doing. There's no way to just decide that, well, I'm just not going to run that program. It runs anyway, unless we force something else to happen. And in the case of a very deep habit, like it was here, even if he, it doesn't matter how bad he wanted to change, that program was still running in the background. And so this happens when we have to move our feet to the ball and we're getting kind of stressed a little bit with our movement. It happens when we prepare for a certain stroke and our body and our our mind kind of feels that we're getting set up for a particular shot. Uh, When we feel our racket preparing in a certain way, these are all triggers, including seeing the ball, seeing the ball getting tossed up over our head for a serve. It it's a trigger that runs another subconscious program that fires the appropriate neurons to run the serve program or the volley program or the backhand program, and we're almost completely out of control at that point. So more and more recently, we've been using fake tosses because it takes vision out of the equation completely. Uh, I'm sorry, when the eyes are closed, it takes vision out of the equation completely. But what a fake toss is, is when we ask a student to perform a certain technique and we will feed a ball or toss a ball in the vicinity of the student, but they don't actually try to hit it. And so vision is still in play, but now we take the collision of the ball and the racket out of play. Now, in the case of this volley training, 
uh, kind of the whole point was the collision. We we wanted the collision to elicit a certain response, and that was the the rebounding of the racket, the the pushing back of the racket, the the ball winning the collision is what we wanted to happen. So we couldn't really take <laughs> take contact out of it because that was kind of the whole point was the response to contact in the case of the volleys. But in the case of a serve or a forehand ground stroke or a backhand ground stroke, we found it really useful to have a student practice a shadow swing of the new and improved movement and then introduce that little slight trigger of seeing the ball, but without them actually hitting the ball. And it's just acted for us more and more recently. We've been using that little intermediary step of a little micro level of challenge of us knowing and understanding now after a lot of experience with different players that just seeing the ball on its own starts pulling that old habit to the forefront and that act of fighting against that habit actively and saying no I'm I'm not going to do the old one I'm going to do the new one that's what starts rewriting the program and putting the new one in place of the old one so Hopefully this triggers some ideas for you. Experiment with no vision and just feeling instead of seeing. And I would, I would really highly recommend you record yourself doing repetitions with no vision. And then also experiment with, with having vision and seeing the ball, but not actually hitting the ball. And those two different variables we found really, really effective in helping players feel what new movements are like and start to train those new movements in the right direction to overtake and replace the old ones. Better execution under those little micro levels of challenge is a big win and a big step in the right direction. And it's something that most players and most coaches don't do. Instead, they... They hear the command, they hear the explanation, they understand, they nod their head and they say, oh yeah, I got it. Maybe they'll even do a a shadow swing or two and they're able to do it correctly without any ball at all. And then they just go right back into a a normal environment and assume that they can just decide to to do the new one. And more and more and more, we're understanding as coaches that it's not as simple as that. It's not as simple as just deciding to do the new forehand and then having it magically be your new forehand. Training is necessary. And during that training, different levels of challenge are critical to help the student make progress in the right direction. So hopefully this gives you something to think about, gives you some ideas that you can introduce into your own training or your own coaching if you're a coach. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.